Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. We're in a series called Love Does. Somebody say, Love Does. The idea is that love is not an emotion. It's not this feeling. Love is an action. And scripture goes so far as to say that God is love. God is love. So if we want to learn about our God, the nature of him, and if we want to imitate him, if we want to be more like him every day, we have to learn how to love, how to love our children, our spouses, our community, our neighbors. We have to learn how to love. So each week we've been talking about a different thing that love does. First week, we talked about how love goes. Next week, we talked about how love stays. And you can check these all all out on the podcast if you missed them, if you're interested. This week, I wanted to tell you, love fights. Somebody say, love fights. I need someone who goes to the gym to give me a flex right now. Somebody give me a flex. Y'all are weak. Nobody, y'all been skipping leg day? Y'all at Big Kansas. I know you've been at the gym. Hey, give me, just give me a little, little, give me, that's the weakest thing I've ever seen. Okay. I'm embarrassed. You, I'm going to come to your gym. I'm going to take some pictures. I'm going to post them on Instagram. The, you, got, you got the power, baby. If you get the urge in mid-sermon, just stand up and flex. Don't even ask. You just, just get up and do it. The whole idea is love fights. Love fights. Now, some of you are married. Some of you are in a relationship. And some of you are Christians. And so I want to talk about y'all's fights for a second. And some of you people who are Christians, you're like, well, we're Christians, so we don't fight. We have disagreements. Christians don't argue. We just don't see eye to eye at all the time. Oh, shut up. Okay, you do fight. It's okay. You argue. My wife and I get in arguments. If you want to see us argue, you got to do two things. You got to get in the car with us, and you got to turn on the GPS. It is the, she, she can tell you it is the quickest thing. Because, oh, you were watching. I thought I was watching it. Wait, is this turn right or veer right or merge right? Oh, wait, we were supposed to get, on that, get off that exit. Sometimes I think we should pull over. And just say, Google, take me to the nearest counselor's office. I need marriage counseling now, okay? That's something that just gets us. And I don't know what your thing is. It could be the budget. It could be the kids. But that, that's ours. That is absolutely our thing. Now, I know some couples, and this is hard. This is sad. This may be where you are. And if you are, we want to do all we can to help if you're interested in that. But fighting isn't a bad thing because it shows you still care. You have a dog in the fight. You're still passionate. You still love the person. I know some couples, they've gotten so far, they're so numb, they don't fight anymore. And it's not that they're, it's not that they're just so spiritually mature, they don't fight. It's that they just really don't care. They're more like roommates. They're just numb and they just don't care. They don't even care. They just let it all slide. But you need to see love doesn't sit still. Love fights. That's why we're here. That's why this church is here, to fight for the city. You may think, why does everyone wear a home shirt? Is this a cult? What kind of place is this? I saw a bunch of people, welcome to Ascent Church, have a donut. No, it's safe to eat the donut. You can eat the donut. It's not a cult. Um, You're fine. Some of y'all are like, oh gosh, I had three. (laughs) Oh, what was I thinking? Um, This is not a cult. This is what we call team day. It's team day. Our A team is incredible. We don't like to use the word volunteer. Um, that sounds boring. That sounds like checking to do something at the library. I guess I'll volunteer for that. No, no, no. We want you to be able here to send, to be able to use your gift that God gave you to make a difference in this world. I fully believe it'll make you come to life. I fully believe you will grow in more ways than you ever thought possible. And I think some of the reasons some of us maybe aren't growing is because we have this gift of leadership or service or music or, or something, but we've buried it. We're not using it. 
So today I want to give you the opportunity to fight for your home, for your city, for your church. It's team day, and you'll have an opportunity today, actually, to join a team. What's going on in the lobby right now is my team is transforming it. Um, every, all those little tables are going to get spread out. Each are going to have a sign and a certain team. One will say security, first impressions, band, creative, um, A-kids, um, students. Um, if you want to join the student team, or if you are a student, middle or high school, and you want to check it out, that's, that's the best one. They have a little spin wheel. They have cookies. Someone baked 100 cookies. I don't know what's going on. The other teams are going to get a little jealous. But there will be a point at the end of service where I'm actually going to challenge you to get up out of your seat and go into the lobby. We'll answer any questions you have. And we'll give you an opportunity to join the team today to start using your gift. And of course, to get one of our home shirts, which just dropped, which we're really excited about. But this is home. We fight for our home. We fight for this city. We fight for these people. We fight for this church. We fight for families who are far from God. We fight for families who just like I just said, maybe feel a little numb. We fight for military families. We want to fight for those who fight for us. We are here to fight. We're not here to sent to be comfortable. Nobody's comfortable. You're sitting in these chairs. Ain't nothing comfortable about them, baby. Okay, so we're here for a purpose, to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. That's why we do church. And you'll have an opportunity to join today. It may sound like Netflix, but you can just try it. You can try it for a month, okay? And you can keep the shirt. <gasps> you know, some of y'all feel like, sometimes at church, it feels like we're, it's a life sentence. It's like you sign up to serve and you're expected until you are dead to be on that team, okay? You could try it for a month. You can try it for two weeks. If it's not for you, you don't have to leave churches, okay? You can stay. A lot of people serve for a season, then stop. That's completely okay. That's completely healthy, but we'll get to that soon. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for this city and the people. And then we'll get to the text. Father God, we thank you for this community. Because that's all a church is, is an assembly. It's a community. I thank you for this community. I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you for this city. Some of us love this city. Some of us hate it. Some of us are lifers are going to be here forever. Some of us can't wait to get out. Some of us are only here for a few more weeks or months. But God, some of us just got here. But God, I hope, God, I hope that you could open our eyes to whatever you're calling us to do in this season. If it's grow, if it's serve, if it's fight to make that happen. May we be a light in this city and in the world for the city's good and for your glory. In your son's good name, we pray. Amen. We're going to go to the Bible now. We're going to go to the text. We're going to a book called Nehemiah. Somebody say Nehemiah. Nehemiah. We're going to chapter one, verse one. My man, Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Love to get the text up here if we could. You can follow along with me in your Bible if you brought one, or right up here on the screen. Um, or we have an app called Version. You can check that out as well. Nehemiah 1.1. These are the words of Nehemiah, son of Hukah. Son of Hukabar? Is that still a thing? Y'all remember when those were, is that still a thing? No? Okay, just check it. The, son, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. This is in Nehemiah's own words. This is what Nehemiah is going to talk about. Now I'm going to give you a history lesson before we jump in, does anyone, is anyone here a History Channel nerd? There was just like a groan. Is that, is there like a, do we not like the History Channel? Don't, I know somebody's watching the History Channel. Does anyone watch History Channel? We got a few people who are like embarrassed about it. I know you watch History Channel. I know you watch Ancient Aliens late at night. I don't know why that's on History. Does someone, can someone tell me why that's on History Channel? That disturbs me a little bit. But some of you nerds like History Channel, let me give you a little history for this story to even make sense. God's people were in the area of Judah, in the, God bless you, in the, the capital city was Jerusalem. That's where God was worshiped. That was, that was the capital, it was the highest point. And God told his people, he said, look, 
He said, look, if you follow me, if I'm your God, if you trust me, I will protect you. I will be here. You have all these blessings. But if you turn your back from me, if you curse me, if you abandon me, if you want to follow other gods, that's fine. But there's going to be consequences. I'm going to withdraw. And for centuries, God had grace and patience and long suffering with them. But in 586 BC, God said, enough's enough. I'm going to withdraw. And so God took a step back. He took a step back. God's people said, okay, you know, we can handle this, right? We can handle, we don't need God. We're, we're, we're fine. There was this foreign um, nation, this army called Babylon. And the general, the king was called Nebuchadnezzar. Say Nebuchadnezzar. Say, how do you spell that? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't quite know. And I'm not even going to try. But Nebuchadnezzar came to town and Nebuchadnezzar was a bad man. He came to Jerusalem. He surrounded the city. He burned the wall. He burned the gates. He laid siege to it. He, he leveled the temple where God was worshiped. And he left some of the Israelites stay in, in the temple, but he took a lot of them back to Babylon. He took the smartest, the best, the, 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 the strong ones, the smart ones, the politicians. If you had a skill, he took you as plunder back to Babylon to strengthen Babylon. So the city is left with no walls, no defense, no leaders. Decades and decades pass. Now, the Babylonians were tough, but then there was a new big boy in town called the Persians, Darius and Cyrus and Xerxes, all these dudes. And you thought Babylonians were bad. These were some bad men who came to town. The Persians kicked the Babylonians' butts out. Now, they are the world power. They're in charge. Okay, and eventually this guy, Nehemiah, somebody say, Nehemiah, you said it again. You did great. He was a Jew, and he rose up the ranks, and he Essentially, he, he was eventually what you call the cupbearer. He was a cupbearer to the king. To the most powerful person in the world, Nehemiah was the one. He would bring him wine. He was kind of like, like an advisor. He was always in the throne room. He was there. Some of y'all are saying, wait, it's a job to just bring someone wine? Do I get a taste? Yes. As cupbearer, you get a little sip to make sure it's not poison, and you give it to the king. Some of y'all are like, is that a volunteer job? I'll take that. Mom said, Amen. I'll take a little wine. It's not too early. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He was in this really cool, very high prestigious position. But the whole book of Nehemiah has never been controversial. And the Bible is controversial. It says some things we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about what the Bible says about marriage. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about what the Bible says about sex out of marriage and the marriage, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about what the, what the Bible says about caring for the unborn and, and all that and being a voice for those who have no voice. We don't want It's very divisive to us today. But Nehemiah has always been safe until recently because now Nehemiah is very controversial. And I can't say this without laughing and I can't say it without a straight face. But Nehemiah is about a guy who goes to Jerusalem and he builds a wall. Right? Stop it. You stop it. I swear I will leave this. If y'all start chanting build the wall or some, I'm out. Y'all can, you can watch a sermon on your phone. I say it every week. I mean it. I don't care how you voted. I don't care where you are politically. Some of y'all love the wall. Some of you hate the wall. I think there's beauty in unity in Christ. We can sit here and can we agree to not be offended for just 25 minutes? Can we, can we do that? Okay, that, that's great. Now you can laugh, you can laugh, but you're not allowed to be offended. Um, because I'm going to say build the wall a lot. And it's really hard. It's really hard to say 
with a straight face because it's never been it's never been controversial till now. This is this is an easy book until a few years ago. Um, I don't want anyone to start chanting "Build the Wall" in Hebrew. Don't know how you do that. I don't want anyone to pull up a "Make Jerusalem Great Again" hat <laughs> mid-service. Okay, you might have it. You just just let's get through service. Um, but that's what Nehemiah is about. I really am not going to get through this. <laughs> Nehemiah said that the city's not safe. The first step we need to protect it is a wall. Stop laughing. Stop smirking. Stop smiling. That's what he did. That's what the whole book is about. So we're going to look at that. The point is this. It's not political. Maybe a little bit. The point is this, is that Nehemiah fought for his city. You need to know love fights. Stop giggling. Love does not sit still. Love fights. Love can't ignore a city in ruin. And let's quit talking about Jerusalem for a second. Let's talk about our city. Love fights for their city. Love fights because love can't look at our city right here in Virginia Beach or just Hampton Roads in general because one in five people on Hampton Roads is actively connected to a church. And love fights. Love is not okay with that. When you go home, your apartment complex or your condo or your neighborhood, the the four houses closest to you, odds are none of them were in church this morning. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they don't know God's love. Maybe they have questions. They don't know if there's a place where they can go and actually have doubts and actually be themselves and actually have questions. That's a difficult spot. This is a hub for sex slave trafficking. Love isn't okay with that. Love fights. Love puts its foot down. Love fights against this. This is a city where the homeless are often overlooked. Just seeing as, oh, just stay over there. We're not even going to look at you. We're not even going to treat you as human beings. But love fights. Love does something about that. Love does not ignore. Have you found something not only worth living for, but worth dying for? That's what I want to ask you today. Have you found something worth not just living for, but worth dying for? Love doesn't ignore Love fights. Our friends with 99 for the one, they have a shirt. It's dope. It says, fight for your city. I love that. I love that. And that's what I want to talk about today, how we can fight because love fights. You may be wondering, how do we fight? Well, let's dig back into the text. Let's dig in. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, that was the capital city, Hanani, one of my bros. That's a good name. If you just got a golden doodle and need a name, Hanani, maybe or Labradoodle, whatever you have, one of my bros, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So some of, some of Nehemiah's squad comes into town and he says, hey, how, how's everybody doing in Jerusalem? Now you need to know something. God promised this a long time ago. It was a prophecy. It's in scripture. Read it. He said, look, you're going to turn from me. I'm going to exile you. You're going to go away. But because of my grace and love, I'm going to bring you back. God said, I am going to bring you back. This is a prophecy. This is God's word. This is the plan. Do you know how it started? It started with the question. It did not start with a big, flashy miracle. Did, did, did Nehemiah have a vision? Did he have this really realistic dream and God said, you are going to go back to Jerusalem? No. Did, did, did Nehemiah have a, have a prophet come to him and say, God told me to tell you that you're going to rebuild the walls and you're going to restore the glory of Jerusalem? No. It started with a question. God has given some of you a question that actually is not just a question. God is going to use it to change the world. You may just think it's something that irks you or bothers you or I wish military, I wish, you know, women in the area when their husbands are deployed, I wish, I wish women had a way to just get connected faster. Why are there so many homeless people in the area? I wish, I wish we could show them that love. Maybe that's just not a question. Maybe that's how God is going to carry out his will here on earth. Because that's what he does through Nehemiah right here. 
right here, our friends with 99 for the one, Jeremiah, one of the founders, he's not from here. And when he moved here, he looked around and he noticed there was a lot of homeless people. And so he would ask, he would say, what? You know, what, what's with the homeless people? There's homeless people everywhere. And everyone just kind of got used to it. Everyone just said, there's, what do you mean? There's just homeless people everywhere. This is Virginia Beach. There's homeless people. I don't know why there's homeless people everywhere. I don't know why there's 7-Elevens everywhere either. It's just where we live. That's just, that's, just, that's just where we are. But Jeremiah wasn't okay with that. He started a ministry that's doing something about it. You see, Jeremiah is passionate. Nehemiah was passionate. He inquired, he asked, let me ask you, what are you passionate about? Is it the next generation? Is it military families? Is it those who maybe feel far from God, who don't know where to go, who don't know where to turn? The first thing I want to tell you, this is how you fight for your city. This is how love fights. Number one is find your passion and fight for your passion. It's not a coincidence. Tell your neighbor, it's not a coincidence. Those things that make you mad, those things that keep you riled up, that keep you up late at night, it's not a coincidence. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He gave you your gifts, your insights, your passions, and your purpose. Maybe that's the reason you're so bored. Maybe that's the reason you're so miserable all the time. You don't feel like you're, you're just kind of floating around. You don't feel like you have a purpose because God gave you one, but you've ignored it, you've buried it, and you've decided to chase money, chase pleasure, chase comfort, but you've buried the real thing God has you for. You see, if you stay stuck in a passionless existence, you will never find your true purpose. But once you realize God made you a certain way for a reason, God gave you some gifts for a certain reason, God put you in this city for a reason, you can look out into this broken world and say, not today, Satan, not on my watch. I'm not going to let that slide. I'm not going to overlook it. I'm going to go after my passion and fight for this city. Come on, somebody. Come on. He gave you something. He gave you something. He knit you together. He was intricate. He took his time. That thing that makes you mad, that thing that riles you up, that is part of who you are and you were born. Now you were designed to fight for that. What is your passion? Fight for your passion. Verse three, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Second thing I want to ask you is what breaks your heart? Fight for what breaks your heart. In order to be built up, you have to be broken down first. In order to be built up, you have to be broken down first. In order to build some things up for God, God has to break you down a little bit first. Maybe you don't have enough of a testimony yet. Maybe you don't have enough humility yet. Maybe, maybe you don't have enough of a story yet or the gifts or the skills. I don't know what it is, but we see over and over and over in scripture. The, the idea comes, the passion comes right like here. But before Nehemiah does anything about it, he's knocked flat. Some of y'all are there right now. You feel like God gave you this vision, this goal, this, this new faith, this, this, this church that you can be a part of, and you're like, let's get involved. And things, your life has gotten worse. Things have gotten harder. And you may be thinking, am I doing this right? Did I, did I, did I miss something? Sometimes God has to break you down before he can build you up. That's where some of you are. You need to know, I asked this earlier, nobody really engaged. Does anyone go to the gym? All six of us, right? A few of y'all, a few of y'all, this will get a better response. Who takes pre-workout? 
There's a little more crazy. All the crazies are coming out. I love pre-workout. I do. But you need to realize at the gym, you don't actually build any muscle. You don't. You spend your whole time at the gym breaking down muscle, working your muscles, ripping them, tearing them to shreds. You don't feel good after. You feel weaker. You're more tired. That's how it works. But when you rest, when you recover, when you give it time, when you take your protein shakes, that's how you get stronger. And that's what God is doing in your life. That's what he's doing for your story. That's what he's doing in your family. He's not punishing you. He's preparing you for something amazing. And you just got to hold on. Someone here thought God left him that he abandoned him and nothing could be further from the truth. Verse five, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love and those who love him keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. The third thing you need to do to fight for your city, you must fight for the promises of God. You've got to fight for the promises of God. That means you have to do something first. You have to know the promises of God. We have to read our scripture. We have to be familiar with it. Notice when he's calling on God, he's not saying, oh, you seem like a nice guy. He's saying, look, you're a God of love who fulfills his promises. He acts like he knows him because he does. He knows what God is like. He knows what he's like and what he's not like. And that's what we we must do as well. When you find yourself in a tight spot, not wondering how to move forward, not wondering what's next, there's two things I want you to do. I want you to remind, then rewind. Remind yourself of who God is, of his promises, that he does keep his promise, that he is with me, that he does, that he does fight with me, and then rewind. You got to look back. You got to look back at what he's done in your life, what he's done in your church, what he's done in the scripture. You have to rewind. You got to remind and rewind. Some of y'all are like, what does rewind mean? Y'all know VHS? Who here remembers Blockbuster? Oh, yeah. Blockbuster, y'all kids don't know. Blockbuster was the most lit place on a Friday night. Oh, Lord. You see the whole town there, your neighbors, your girlfriend, the, your coach, your teachers. People would be running in trying to get the last copy of the, of the disc or of the VHS. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You get your popcorn, your bunch of crunch. But it was, it was hot. It was hot. But y'all remember Be Kind Rewind? If you didn't rewind it, Blockbuster had to charge you. That's why Blockbuster went out of business. Because we had enough of it. Y'all, I'm being silly, but it's true. We got to remind ourselves. We got to look back. For example, look at Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. If you don't know scripture, if you don't read it, you can't remind yourself of this. It says, look, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. If you start your day with that, how will that impact the rest of the, those 24 hours? Because look, the enemy is going to constantly be chattering at you. He's going to be constantly feeding you lies, insecurities, doubts, fears. But if you start your day reminding yourself, wait a second, wait a second. I'm not alone in this fight. I'm not alone in this addiction. I'm not alone in this divorce. I'm not alone in this financial insecurity and fear. The Lord, my God fights with me, fights next to me and goes ahead of me in battle to bring me the victory. How will that change your day? It's going to do something. It's going to do something. That's how you got to talk to yourself. You have to remind and then you have to rewind. You've got to look back. That's what Nehemiah is doing. You've got to look back. Verse 11, Lord, he said, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. 
I was cupbearer to the king. What's he talking about? Somebody say, for such a time as this. God will put you in a position. And it's almost like he realized it as he's praying. God will put you in a position and you will look back and you'll say, oh my God, I'm here for such a time as this. Nehemiah hasn't mentioned this yet, but he's, he's praying about my passions, pray for these people, pray for this and give me confidence today because, oh my God, I'm going to see the king. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the most powerful person on the planet. I'm going to have a conversation with the most richest dude that's ever lived right now. And Nehemiah is saying, God, give me strength. In order to fight for your city, you have to seize opportunity. You have to seize opportunity. You need to know God will put you in a position to influence before he calls you to do the influencing. Does that make sense? Like God will put you in the position to influence before he calls you to influence this or influence that or influence that. That's what happened to Nehemiah. For years, Nehemiah was here. He's rising up the ranks and he thought probably this is for me. I got a cushy life. This is cake. And only when he was in the position and comfortable, God said, Nehemiah, it wasn't for you. I had a bigger purpose at hand. I want to ask you, what influence or what opportunity has God given you? Maybe for you, it's social media. Maybe you have a network. Maybe when you post something, thousands of people see it. And you always thought it's just because you're good looking or you're fashionable. And I'm not saying that's not true. Or maybe you're funnier than everybody else. I'm not saying that's not true. But what if that was so, hey, when you share things, people are going to come to church. When you share things, people are going to be encouraged. When you share things, people are going to say, you know what? I'm not walking with God. I don't have any hope. I, need, I, might, I might check that place out. God maybe has given you maybe opportunity in the business world, or maybe it's financial success. And you maybe thought, I had the best year I ever had. That was a killer year. I'm going to be just decked out with swagger. This is going to be amazing. And then you're looking back and you're saying, wait, maybe God didn't just bless me for me, although he does want to bless my family. Maybe God wants to bless me so I can be a blessing to others. So I can fight sex trafficking. So I can encourage people. So I can bring hope to people who have no hope. I want to ask you, has God given you opportunity? Has God given you access? Nehemiah had this moment, my God, he's already given it to me. I want you to sit back for a second and think, what opportunity, what access has he given you? Because you need to know the position leads to the power. And God himself is going to put you in that position. And when the time is right, he's going to show you how to turn the key. Nehemiah is about to do that Two. One, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, amen, and gave it to the king. I had not been this sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? How much wine did you drink, Nehemiah? (laughs) Calm down, boy. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, the most powerful person on the planet that could kill him with a word. Nehemiah is replaceable. He's expendable. The king doesn't care. He can just snap his fingers. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? In order to fight for your city, you have to take a risk. You can't always play it safe. You maybe never noticed this. I didn't notice it until my study, but you need to realize Nehemiah waited four months, four months of prayer and fasting and pondering. He probably saw the king a lot in those times, but he didn't think it was ready. He didn't think it was the right time. Some of y'all wait. You've waited four years 
or 40 years. God called you to do this thing, and you're like, oh, it's not the right time. No, wait. Some of y'all, it's been 40 years. Some of you don't wait at all. You waited four seconds. All right? Nehemiah's showing us we got to pray. We got to seek God. We can't do it alone. But at the same time, when the opportunity comes, you got to take a risk. You got to risk it for the biscuit. And I'm not talking like a Hardy's biscuit. Oh, Lord, no. Maybe Popeye's. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Biscuitville biscuits. Y'all know Biscuitville? Oh, Lord. Y'all know being the biscuit? Amen. I see in the back. Now, y'all don't, y'all don't know about this. Maybe you do. Y'all know the Texas Roadhouse Rolls? That's it. Bring it up. Where's the picture? Oh, Lord. I took my girl there on Valentine's Day because I'm romantic. What's more romantic than peanut dust and a cowboy? Cowboy, uh, you know, armadillos, all that stuff. That, that's, that's me. But we had a good time. And y'all are thinking, you probably didn't eat any rolls. Yes, I ate some rolls. They were delicious. All right. What does this have to do with the Bible? Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. The point is this. You got to take a risk. And Nehemiah was taking a risk, not only talking to the king, but if he went on this quest, if he went to, 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 you know, to Jerusalem to rebuild it, there were marauders. There was foreign armies. There was other nations. There was wild, animal, wild animals. It was difficult. But you see, some of us, are willing to serve as long as it doesn't cost us anything. Now, God is not saying sacrifice your family. He's not saying sacrifice your sanity, sacrifice your rest. He's not saying that. We have to value those things and keep them safe. But at the same time, God calls us to sacrifice something to serve. Because we can't say, hey, you know, I'll serve as long as it scratches my back. I'll serve as long as it gets me where I want to go. I'll serve as long as there's pretty girls there. Okay, some of the guys are like, yeah, I'll serve at a sent church. That's fine. I'll serve where you want me to serve. Are they, is anybody single? I'll serve if they're single. But God calls us to sacrifice some things, and the king lets them go. I came to tell you, if God has called you to something, he's going to see it to fruition. If he's put something on your heart, if he buries something deep down in there, he doesn't, God doesn't just waste his resources. It's there for a reason. That, that passion is there for a reason. Those goals are there for a reason. That gift is there for a reason. I came to tell you, sometimes he doesn't act the way you think he's going to act. Sometimes he's going to carry out his promises in a way you don't quite expect. But I came to tell you, he fulfills his promises. I came to tell you he sticks to his word. He might have done something in your life that you didn't quite expect, but I wanted you to know he hears you. And I wanted you to know he's with you. Because someone here is on the brink. You're thinking he's, he's, he's left. I've gone too far. I've said too much. Nothing could be further from the truth. 11, I went to Jerusalem. And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God, testimony on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Somebody say good work. They began the good work. But you need to know the final thing is this, in order to fight for your city, don't do it alone. We're stronger together. You can make an impact by yourself, but when we are one church, one mission, one heartbeat, one force, we can accomplish so much more than we could ever do ourselves in order to rebuild the city, in order to work in the city. We have to fight. I came to tell you, love fights. 
Love fights for this city. Love fights for the military families. Love fights for your marriage. Love fights for your children. And God calls each and every one of us to join the fight. That's what he does. That's what he does. Today, what's about to happen is this. We've never done this before. This is going to be fun. I told you the lobby's being transformed. In just a few minutes, we're going to go back into a time of worship. And then right before the final song, I'm going to come back up on stage and direct you when it's time to go. If God has stirred something today, if he said, you know, if he put on your heart, you know, I need to be serving. I got these gifts. I need to join security or A-Kids or, or the worship team, or I need to, I'm creative. I need, I need to be in the mix. Or maybe it's set up, or maybe it's student ministry, whatever that is. During this time, it's not now, it's in a few minutes. I'm going to challenge you to get up. Yeah, get up during the song, go in the back, go out to the lobby. Our team leads are waiting to talk to you to answer any questions you have and to discuss the training when we can get on board. And of course, you're going to get your shirt today because you'll be part of the A-team. And like we always say, welcome home. Welcome home. Now, Nehemiah is a powerful story. And I do hope it inspires you, but the point of Nehemiah might not be what you expect. You, you may hear it and think, oh, it's leadership principles. Oh, it's some, some ways in how I should live my life. But you need to realize that's true, but that's not the main point. Because everything in scripture actually points forward to something else. Nehemiah points forward to something greater, someone greater. Because Nehemiah is amazing, but we need a greater Nehemiah. We need someone even better. You see, Nehemiah was in the throne room. And I came to tell you, Jesus Christ was also in the throne room. Nehemiah had access to the king. And I came to tell you, Jesus Christ had access to the king. Nehemiah volunteered to go on a dangerous mission, ending in Jerusalem for our safety, our protection. And Jesus Christ, the incarnate son of God, did the exact same thing. He left the comfort of heaven. He left luxury, peace, glory. He came down to earth on the most dangerous mission of all. He went to Jerusalem. He died right outside the city. And Jesus didn't do it just for some, some safety. He did it for our soul. Jesus Christ is the greater than Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah risked his life. Jesus Christ paid his life in order to create a city. That's us. That's the church. This eternal city, a fellowship of community. If you're wondering, should I serve? Should I step up? Should, should, I, should I do this? You're never going to say, I just got to have the will. I just got to have the desire. Here's my challenge for you is to look to the cross. If you love Jesus, if you aspire to be like him, we can't be like him and not serve. We can't be like him and not give. We can't be like him and not love because love fights. Love fights. So brothers and sisters, we're about to head to a time of worship. And as we do, I want these words to ring in your ears. Because when we look to Jesus, when we look to Nehemiah, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that love fights. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that love fights. We thank you that love sees us where we are, but is not comfortable to leave us there. That you saw us, Jesus, in our sin, in our death, like sheep without a shepherd. So you came to not only build the wall for us, but to be our wall, to give us protection, to give us a home to give us love and grace that we never deserve. God, I thank you that you took that risk, that ultimate risk. And although we see Nehemiah risking his life, Jesus, we see you paying your whole life.
so that we can be safe, so that we can have a place, so that we can be home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.